0: Welcome again to Profiles on Nantucket Community Television, Channel 8. I'm Charlie Walters. Today I'm speaking with Laura Gallagher-Byrne, who heads up the Dreamland Stage Company here on Nantucket. And full disclosure, I'm on the board of directors of the Dreamland. Laura, thank you for doing this.
1: Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here, Charlie. Thank you for having me.
0: Whenever I have a guest who has a titled position, I go online to make sure I have every word correct in that description. And yours is so long, (laughs) but not a word is wasted. So let me just read what it says at the Dreamland website. you. You are Director of Theater and Education at the Nantucket Dreamland and Artistic Director of the Dreamland Stage Company. That's a lot going on.
1: It is, it is indeed.
0: And I want to have you tell us all about it, but I thought I would do this chronologically and say when and where did you get involved in theater for the first time?
1: Oh, as a child? Yes. Yes. So I, I, um, I think there was never a time in my life when I did not know that theater was what I was going to do. I feel very fortunate about that because I think a lot of, I mean, my son now is actually at school for theater. He's at Belmont really? in Nashville. Mm-hmm. He's studying theater and for, and, uh, uh, it, he came a little later to that about what he exactly wanted to study, although I think maybe mom was a little bit of an influence there.
0: Well, you had to rebel first and it, then...
1: Exactly. That's right. And then come around. <laughs> but for me, there was, it, there was never any path but that. And uh, even all my high school friends said, well, of course, you're going to school for theater. But I started working in community theater at about 10 years old. So I was really fortunate. I grew up in the theater My grandfather was a pianist. He did shows, so I was on stage with him. Our our local church did productions. And so it was just, I really cut my teeth as a very young person doing theater. And then when I went to college, I just thought, well, of course, this is where I'm supposed to be. And when I graduated from college, I had already been cast in a production of The Sound of Music as Liesel. Wow. So I basically took off, you know, my cap and gown and I drove to Baltimore and I was on stage with that production for almost a year. And then oh, I was God. very fortunate that I worked a lot uh, from that point on.
0: Now, you did not grow up on Nantucket. No. Where did you grow up?
1: So I grew up in Connecticut in a town called Danbury. And there was a lot of theater there as well. Um, my, my, I have a very large extended Gallagher family, although I don't own any green, as I told you, but I need to <laughs> remedy that, Gallagher Vern. But I have a very large extended family, and a lot of us were involved in theater. So... From our high school doing productions to local theater to working with my grandfather in shows, we all kind of w- wove in and out. And one of my cousins, in fact, went on. Uh, he was on Broadway. He was in um, Tom Sawyer. This was uh, probably about twelve years ago. So it's in our blood. A it lot really of us, is. yeah, it really That's is. That's remarkable. Mm-hmm. In our family, we are either uh, lawyers, teachers, or actors, or and directors
0: uh some might say that there's a lot of acting in in the law and in teaching indeed
1: there is there sure is and when i taught on nantucket which i did for 12 years i taught theater and drama at the middle school i relied on on those acting techniques especially yeah the first day in a classroom when you're not used to that sort of dynamic I thought, well, I know how to do this. I mean, I, I have tools and techniques that I can rely on. So, and and I was able to grow the theater program there, which I'm really proud of as well.
0: Now you say that you you got your BA and you were immediately acting. You have a BA and you have two MFAs.
1: So I have a BA. I have a um I have a masters of theater education, and then I have an MFA. Yes, I okay. love school, Charlie. What can I you say? You must. <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I wanted, I really wanted an MFA. Uh, but it, when I was getting my um, master's of theater education, that was, a, you needed to do that. If you're going to continue teaching, you need to have your master's. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'll start with that. At the time, Emerson, where I, I also got my um, master's, did not have an MFA. And then they did. Huh. And so it's a fairly, it's not that recent, probably about eight years. And so, no, less than that. I'm um, less than that. I think it's been five that they've had the MFA program. So I started it, and then the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. But they pivoted to online in a way that was kind of miraculous. So at that point I was most of the way through, but we ended up doing, you know, a, a directing project on Zoom. And at that point, you know how we mm-hmm. all were. Like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. how are we gonna do this? And it's interesting because some of the other students, uh, my colleagues and that, one of them is now um, the artistic director at Winnipesaukee Playhouse in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. So we keep in touch. And it's, it, it was a really, um, we, we all got very close because we were all sort of navigating this together and not knowing, mm-hmm. not knowing what was going to be on the other side, especially as theater people, where live theater is you know, yeah. what we live for.
0: How long was it between the time you got your B.A. and the time you ended up on Nantucket, and how did that happen?
1: Oh, boy, that's quite a story. So Good. I, it is. It's an interesting one. It's kind of uh, – so I – as I, I got my B.A., and as I mentioned, I went right into theater, and I, I went to school in um, – Virginia and went to Shenandoah University. So it was very close proximity-wise to D.C. and Baltimore and Beltway. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of theaters in that area. So I was very lucky. I worked at that theater and then I stayed in that area for several years, probably three, I think. And then a friend of mine told me he had been to Nantucket and he had worked with, um, it was called Musicana. Which was a company that used to have singers that they would hire wait staff and they would sing and then they would wait on tables.
0: Did this involve the Skipper restaurant? It was not the Skipper. It not the Skipper. No, okay. it was it was much okay. after
1: that. And so he was telling me about it and he said, You would love Nantucket. You should visit it sometime. And I said, Where's Nantucket?
0: Well, you'd never been. here. I had you, never you were in Connecticut. Yes.
1: No, we okay. used to so for us, family vacations were. Uh, Chatham, which is so much like Nantucket, interestingly. Yes. Yes. So uh, he ended up um, staying here as a friend, and I came to visit him, and I thought, "Oh my gosh, this is such a beautiful place." And then I ended up um, getting a, a waitressing job, and I thought, well, I, I can do some of this singing. And at that point, they had moved away from that model, but they still had singing, and they did kind of cabaret shows. So I stayed, and I did that, um, and I did that for a couple of years, and then I left. I went back to New York. I wanted to get, you know, have more opportunities theatrically, which there at the time were not, and so. Then somebody that I had met here, uh, he and I kept in touch, and I came back to visit him, and he's my husband now. <laughs> and so we ended up, you know, we he came back and forth to New York, and but he already had a business here. So at that point, I thought, well, I I guess I will make the move and move to Nantucket, and I already loved it, and I had some directing experience when I was very young. That same year that I did uh, The Sound of Music, my director for that was directing a high school show at a private uh, boys' school um, called St. Paul's in Baltimore. And he said, I need an assistant director. And I was you know, 21 and I said, I don't wanna work with high school kids, I'm not that much older than they are. And he said, you'll be great, You know, you won't have to do much, you just come in, you'll observe. Well then he ended up dropping out of the project and he said, it's all yours. And I just thought, oh my gosh.
0: Almost as if he knew that before he told I,
1: me. I know, I think, <laughs> mm. But Charlie, I went into that room filled with boys who were like 17, 18 years old and they had a girls school for the female parts. And when I walked in that second time by myself, I thought, I know, I know how to do this. It was the weirdest feeling and they respected me i mean they treated me like a director i and i i they knew i had their back and they knew that i wanted the best product for them and and to see them shine on stage and that was the beginning for me and i i I wish i could say and then i continued directing but i didn't i i wanted to perform but a lot of those kids i mean they really weren't that much younger than me kept in touch with me throughout the years and it was so gratifying and I'm so grateful for that experience because that gave me the confidence when I worked with adults, when I worked with young people. I I just, I knew that I was very useful behind that director's table, I I just Hmm. did. And I still feel that way. Although I do love, I love performing myself, but there's, there's something about directing because you're the storyteller. Even though there's all those actors on stage, you are the one that is crafting that story for the audience.
0: You're the captain of the ship.
1: That's right. That's exactly what it feels like too. And everyone has to trust the captain to go down with the ship or to stay afloat. And it's a big responsibility, but it feels very natural to me. And much as I love performing, which I do, I feel that I, everything revolves around my character. You have to be so careful. You know, you, you don't want to get sick. You have to take care of yourself. You have to, you know, you have to really take care of your instrument. When you're directing, you could be drinking coffee. You don't have to get as much sleep. You are, and I, it, the energy of it is what you get from the other actors. So it's a, it's a very different
0: practice. Talk more about what you did on Nantucket before Dreamland.
1: So I, when I married my husband, I didn't know what I was going to do because I thought, well, I, I can't make a living doing theater. There's not a professional company. That, at the time, Theater Workshop was far more of a community theater, mm-hmm. and they were also the only game in town at that point. Yeah. And so I thought, well, what can I do? And I did a couple of different things. I worked in the catering department. I was the catering manager at the Harbor House. Which was a lot of fun um i don't i didn't feel as useful there and then i started thinking i need to get back into the arts that my heart is there and so i i don't even know how this happened i can't remember who was the artistic director at the time but i wanted to direct a play called i hate hamlet which is an awesome play and i think it may have been kate stout if you remember kate i'm sure you do And I think I reached out and I said, I really would love to direct something. And um, she said yes. And it it, it was adults. And it was an amazing show. And one of the things that I love to do as a director is to get people involved in theater that think they are Talent free. You know, they they don't think that they belong on the stage. They have they they've thought about it, but you know, they've been too reluctant to try. And in that show, I think I had three people that had never been on stage before, and they were mm. fantastic. And I think that maybe that is why I enjoy working with young people so much, because I can see something in them, like I can in, in adult actors. Um, that I love to help them bring out, to help them actualize that. So I directed that show and then I ended up doing another show that, um, I'm trying to think of the sequence of events. So I went and I, I started teaching at Cyrus Pierce Middle School by accident. I wanted to um, go in and I worked as a teacher's assistant. And then the chorus teacher, who was from Ireland, couldn't get her visa. So they said, guess what, Laura, you're teaching chorus. And I thought, oh my gosh, uh, okay. And then um, the drama teacher was starting to move more into English classes, so I ended up taking over his drama classes too. And my first year teaching there, I had tons of boys in my chorus class, highly motivated Performers. I I don't know how that happened. So they said, You should do a show for us. And so I said, Okay. And that summer I did Oliver at Theatre Workshop. And it was amazing. It was so much fun. The, the kids that were in it were Jasper Young and Russell Bartlett. They're you know, in their 30s now. And a lot of those young people went on in, in ways to do theater. Jasper now is you know, at Young's, he's taken over his, the family business, but he did improv for a while. He was in, hmm. so they kept their, their um, interests stayed with theater, which I find really gratifying. So I did more shows with Theatre Workshop and then it just became too much because I was focusing also on teaching. And then when I, in 2017, um, I was finishing my first master's program and Joe Hale was at the Dreamland. And I, know, I knew Joe, um, Joe from Theatre Workshop. He was um, on the board. And so he reached out to me uh, because the, um, the previous person in my position left um, due maternity leave And so he reached out to me and he said, would you consider working at the Dreamland? And I remember thinking, that feels so magical to me. And then I got scared and thought, oh, am I gonna be able to do this? I'm leaving behind a a teaching career. Am I going to be able to bring this theater to the place that I would love it to be? And so Joe had amazing confidence, I have to say, in me. But I said, I can't leave the school until the end of the school year. I cannot let my colleagues down, I can't let the kids down, I had a show planned. And so he said, okay, but will you say yes in January? And I said, yes, I will. So I signed the contract in the parking lot of Surfside Beach, we met there. (laughs) I know, it was like a Hardy Boys, you know. And I will say, full disclosure, I had told my principal what was happening. Mm-hmm. And he's no longer there. He was a great guy, very supportive. And I said, I just want to let you know I won't let you down. I will stay through the end. And he was so gracious. And he said, You've got to accept that job. That's exactly what you want to do. And so here I am, you know, 2023. And I feel that I have built this program in a robust way and, and more to come, more to come.
0: Now, to go back a few years, you also did some acting.
1: Yes, I did.
0: Tell Uh, us about that.
1: So I did a lot of acting off-island, and when I came to Nantucket, there was one summer when I came to visit, and I ended up doing a show directed by Neville Richin, and it was Little Shop of Horrors.
0: And my wife and I saw you in that, Uh. and you were hilarious. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You were hilarious.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you really transformed yourself. And, uh, yes.
1: Blonde wig. Oh my yeah, gosh. And the
0: way you would, uh, strut isn't the word, but the way you moved around.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, she is <laughs> you definitely- You very good. Well, thank you. you. I appreciate good. that. Uh, she, that character of Audrey is the antithesis of me, which is why it was yes. so much fun to play. <laughs> So much fun to play. So I love, I miss when I think about that. And you know, people still talk about that show. It's so crazy. Yeah. It was so much fun. I met one of my best friends uh, doing that show and it, it was, it was wonderful. And Neville was a great director. I I call him my mentor and he truly is. I feel like I learned so much about how to get into the storytelling from him. I mean, there are things that he would do kind of naturally that I feel like I I absorbed and I used them in my own practice. And it was wonderful. Then I did, um, there was a show, there was a company for a while here called Island Stage, Ginny Irwin. Yep. And I did a show, um, two shows, uh, one season with them. And, and it was great fun. It was hot as blazes because we did it upstairs of the methodist church i mean and i as you know i as i mentioned i'm always cold even i was like it's too hot we need fans we need air conditioning but that was a that was a really sweet little company um and it's kind of the beginnings of what has now happened on this island you white heron i also did a show with white heron i did um, god of carnage their first year that they were in business and when they opened as a theater they were actually at the Dreamland. So I performed on the Dreamland stage. So I know how magical it feels to perform on that stage. And kids will tell me, and and adults as well, there's something very beautiful. There's an energy about that stage. And as you know, we don't have much backstage space, so you better enjoy the times that you're on that stage. But it it was a really beautiful experience to have that, And then going in and directing. Oh, and then I also, I did other shows with Theatre Workshop. I was in um, Dinner with Friends, which um, I'm trying to think what year that was. Then I also did Putnam County Spelling Bee. And there's another show that I'm, oh, Noises. And then I was in Noises Off, Mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun. And Theatre Workshop does such a nice job on that stage with transforming that kind of small space Mm -hmm. into all sorts of wonderful things, which, you know, did you see the movie Theater Camp? You know, I I wanted it. It was hilarious.
0: On your recommendation, Film for Thought brought us to the dreamland. Yes, I know. Which
1: I really appreciated you and Josh doing that. But they have a line in there where they say, we're theater people. We know how to turn cardboard into gold. And that's it.
0: Well, yeah, it's a funny line, but it's a true line. It's a true line.
1: It is, yes. So I I thought, um, I think about that line quite a bit because I think that says it so well. And the movie was hilarious. I mean, so silly and fun.
0: Let's go back into Dreamland Stage Company, move closer to the present. Mm. You were the only person who was held that position, if I'm not mistaken.
1: You're right. You're right. So how that happened, and Joe was very interested in doing theater that aligned with the school curriculum. Mm-hmm. Which was exactly what I wanted to do. That was kind of the carrot that um, got me to to say yes. And when we started doing that, where it wasn't no longer just children's theater, it was theater for families and children, performed by adults. You know, we did Anne Frank, To Kill a Mockingbird, and so I thought that it, we don't want to just be the arm of of you know a department. We want to have kind of a standalone um theater representation. So Joe was on board with that and I wrestled with what it should be called and I really thought about it and I thought dreamland stage company and that once that title happened it it, it, it sort of became this entity unto itself, yes, a part of the dreamland, but it, in a way that it it has its own sort of magic as well. so, I was, I was thrilled then to then be the artistic director of it. And we continue that and it's, it's growing. You know, the organization is so um, behind, as you well know, growing that theater arm. So I feel so grateful and honored to be the first person to have that title.
0: I remember one of the first board meetings when I joined the board and you were there and the questions went around the room and when it came to you, and what are you up to you now, Laura, with the stage AH Company? And you sat there and read off your planned productions, I think, for the next two years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought, <laughs> how does she do that? I mean, that's, you know, looking ahead to six months is, is a lot. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you had everything planned out way ahead of time.
1: Mm-hmm, I do. I mean,
0: is that the way things go in your business, for lack of a better word, or is this this is this Laura Gallagher-Byrne at work?
1: Well, I think it's a combination. Um, I am a planner. I, I, I want to know exactly where I'm headed. I also want there to be kind of a thematic quality to what we're doing. And so yes and no, because sometimes I'll hold a spot if I know rights for a certain show are are going to become available. Mm. And that happened... With Frozen, which was a sensation. Every little girl on the planet wanted to be in it, be Elsa, see it, and so I I had gotten um, some intel that that was going to be released. So I planned around it and I thought we're, we're going to hold this slot. We're, we know we're going to do something for young people, but we're not going to, um, you know, d- get the rights for anything else until we get um, see how this all plays out. And mm-hmm. then sure enough, and Frozen was the show that we were, go- it was so popular, we planned to bring it back in the summer mm-hmm. of 2020, which obviously we did not do.
0: COVID. Mm-hmm. Now, what age groups are you usually working with? Group so, or groups?
1: So it's, it's wide. There was a point when we you know we were doing theater bringing it to the schools all of which is wonderful but there was this segment of the population that i thought they are ready to cut their teeth they're ready to get involved in theater and they were the 4 to 7 year old little people and i thought it's not for the faint of heart no but if you don't expose children that young to theater your chances of getting them in middle and high school are really small. So I thought we're going to invest in this age group. And they're amazing. You know, it the, the things that I mean they're so magical and they're so in in a dimension that we only wish we still were in the way that they're so open to the creativity. And so I thought we're, we're going to do this in the summer and I want to build a team that is going to be able to have what I think is the most important phrase, yes you can. And we have that. And so that little segment of the program, which we call Dreamland Kids, has grown so much. We always have waiting lists. From those children, once they've done that, you know, we'll always say, when we have kids in our shows now, they were a Dreamland kid. That's how they started. And then they move into these, you know, larger roles. And, and it's so gratifying to be a part of their process and to watch where they were at one point to where they are now as leads on stage. And even if they don't go into theater, they have learned so much about themselves.
0: Yes, it's like music in a way. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not gonna be a clarinetist, it's good that you studied the clarinet when you were eight years old That's right. But how do you do it? And there are a lot of parents out there who are probably gonna wanna take notes. (laughs) How do you get, I mean, it's hard enough for parents to get the child to, you know, eat the vegetables at dinner. And you have a whole gang of them, yeah. and you are getting them to be on a stage and do what they're supposed to do, never mind the fact they do it well, just getting them to do anything. How do you do it?
1: Well, it's a lovely question, and thank you. I, You know, I think it's a combination. I think, first of all, they know that I believe in them. They know it. I have no doubt when those kids come in that they can do it. I really don't, because I just, I know that they have this ability. So there's that. I am also a huge fan of keeping everybody in motion. You don't want to stop. The minute a child has a moment to look back and go, oh, that looks a little scary to me. You've lost them. They have to keep going. So we will start. We, you know, They walk in, we meet. I start with the theater games and intro. I also act like a kid with them in a lot of ways because theater games make you Act sort of silly, so I part. I'm an active participant. I don't sit behind the table and point and say, "Here, I am engaged with them. Mm-hmm. I'm on that stage. I'm walking their walk with them." So we start off that way. I I always say to parents that are reluctant, you know, on that first day to let their child go, and I and I will always say, "Talk to me in a week and and tell me that this child is not a completely different person." Than they were when they began, and ninety nine point nine percent of the time, parents come up to me, you know, crying and saying, "You were so right," and it's so beautiful. But it's about creating a a feeling of ensemble and trust. That's the other piece. They those kids have to trust each other because if they don't, you're lost. And there, there there are three things that I think are so important when you're working uh, in any aspect, is people need and children need to have someone to care about, something that they feel is important to do, and someone that they feel this is going to be meaningful for. And that is how you do it. Because then, because I, I will say to a lot of um, children that come into the program, you know, you're so lucky that you love doing this. And there's somebody out there that's going to love seeing you do it. And I said, and that's how you're giving back. So those are the things that keep it going, because it's it's a practice, but it's also that uh, it's community, it's building
0: community. Now, these children, are they only on stage? Or is there a child doing the props or giving the cues or whatever, is, is, is there room on the crew for them?
1: Yes, oh, absolutely. Our crews um, now are primarily built of either interns that want to get involved in theater or young people that have now quote unquote aged out. We have high school students that wanna be with us. We have, we have children that wanna work with us. This summer, we had two past participants stage managing and they're rock stars. You count on them like you would another, they their colleagues, they're not just children anymore. And they learn so much about that. I work with um, our educational programming manager, Sassy Nash, who's been with us for two years now. That has been something that she is very proud of and has really cultivated is this internship program where kids come in, they learn to build, they learn how to run lights, they learn what happens backstage. It's so valuable because there are plenty of people that want to be around the energy of theater, Mm -hmm. but they, they don't want to be on stage. Although I find less and less, we have had people that have been backstage and then say, oh, I wanna try it. Now I wanna be on stage, which mm-hmm. I love. But there's a healthy balance. And we always say, if you're backstage, you know how to do lights, you know how to you know, create props, you'll always have work in the theater. As opposed to actors, as we know, there's a lot of us.
0: Do you miss acting?
1: Sometimes, yes. Sometimes I do. I. It's if the right project came up, I would do it. And the you know I I did a warm up game with um, the cast of Madeline's Christmas, which is coming up, and I said, okay, we're all going to check in um, as a, a role that we would love to play. And so the kids checked in, and then they said, well, what about you? And so I said, I would love to play the mom. In Dear Evan Hansen, that musical, and there's something about that role, so it would have to be a role like that, you know, um, that would would sort of pull me out of retire of theatrical stage onstage retirement. Not that I feel that I'm retired, but um, and and I miss singing too because I used to do a lot more of that. So, so yes, I do. And then the other piece is I think it's good for your actors to know that you also have a practice of being on stage. I, I wouldn't be the director that I am if I were not an actor, I, I feel.
0: Take us uh, quickly, you don't have to go far into the weeds, but take us through a show that you put together. What's the first step from you know auditioning to the cast party after it's all over? Me? Which is
1: the most important part in my mind. <laughs> you have to have that cast party. <laughs> So I, um, well, first of all, selecting the material, and that is, I, I do think about on Nantucket, you have to think, are there at least three kids that I know of that can play this role? Because you, you know there are shows that I would love hmm. to do, but I think I, they're, 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 we don't have those kids. Not to say that you um, won't find them, but you wanna have at least a few kids that you know will be a part of it for instance there's a, a couple of shows like i love fiddler on the roof i would love to do that show but you really you're taking a big chance if you don't have a Tevya. do you know you can't so you have to be really strategic in your choice sometimes you can take a chance and 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 we have and and just kind of you know it's a nail biter boy i hope we get you know somebody that can play this role So I I try to um, choose something that I'm I'm reasonably sure I've got, you know, a population that I can cast. Then I set to work on what the theme is, whose story is it, you know, through whose eyes is the audience going to see this play. Hugely important because everybody's perspective is different. So then I start coming up with how I want to cast it in that way. And, and I have a very specific idea, not of a person, but of the qualities that I want those characters to have based on what I'm thinking, how I want to tell the story. And then when we have auditions, my favorite thing is to be completely surprised. And then, and then we have callbacks, particularly with our bigger shows. We have Beauty and the Beast coming up in February which is huge. Um, We have a huge waiting list and I'm so sad because there are so many kids that wanted to be involved in it. Um, And we already have 85. So
0: 85,
1: 85, I know.
0: That's a staggering number.
1: It's a staggering number. But um, so then we have the auditions, then we have callbacks and then I sit with my team. So I'll have a music director, a choreographer, sometimes an assistant director and we all say what we think casting wise. And then I say, I'm going to take this home. I'm going to sleep on it. And when I call you tomorrow, a lot of this is going to be different. And sometimes it is. Because I I feel like if I had to identify a superpower, it's that I can cast really well. And I've been told that. Because it's not just about the talent that you have, but it's about that certain something that you bring to that part.
0: So, well, that's interesting. You're, you're making a, a big differentiation between directing and casting.
1: Yes, yes, there, there, there is. If you cast well, the rest is easy because you've got those, you, you have that storytelling, you have those people in place. Casting is the most important thing that you do. If you, if you don't do that well, it's, it's going to be an arduous journey. I can count on one finger the one time i did not go with my gut and i regretted it so which i will not reveal what that was <laughs> but and and it was it was an arduous journey for me i think the audience probably i think they everybody enjoyed it but i knew i i and i and you you're ultimately doing a disservice to the actor mm-hmm. if you're not casting them in the right way mm-hmm. And and particularly for children, you want to be really, really mindful of that. You don't want to throw them into the deep end of the pool before they're ready. I mean, sometimes you're tempted, but you, you just, you have to be careful of that.
0: Now, once the show premieres, do you as director then attend every show?
1: I do attend every show. When I'm directing adults, there are times when I won't, and I will, you know, go back a couple of days later. But with the young people's shows, I do. I do that because I will notice certain things, and I will and I also think once a show opens, it it's just it's blooming. It will be a very different show on opening than it is on closing. And particularly with kids, you want to keep the integrity of the show because kids are learning and, you know, they might get a laugh line and then they think the next time I'm going to make that line bigger and I'm going to. And so then they Hmm. start to change the shape of the show and you just want to keep it really nice and clean and very specific. So with kids, I do that. And sometimes I will go in... And hear that they're having trouble suddenly they're they're not a- able to come in they're they're miscounting so i will watch that and then i will be there when the kids arrive to get into costume and we'll work little things i think it's important to do that and and i know that they don't take it as oh my gosh she doesn't think i'm doing a good job because we talk about how we're, we're, we're always wanting to Tool it's like keeping your instrument tuned, and you have to do that. You always have to tune. with With adult actors, professional actors, the director will come in. Some directors, that's it. It's opening night, and they're gone. And it's the stage manager's job to keep that the, to keep the integrity of the show, which is fine. And uh, but it's different with kids, and I I, I think it's important to just keep in contact and they also like to see me there. You know, they know, mm-hmm. they, uh, they I laugh, I'll get applause going, those sorts of things. And uh, I, I wanna be there for them. It's kind of like being a coach, you know, mm-hmm. your team's out there, you have to be there for every game.
0: If somebody gets sick, I mean, you, you can't plan <laughs> for that and yet you've got to have something in your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens if Ugh. one of the stars of the show simply can't perform?
1: Well, that's that's a scary question, but here's the beautiful thing that we do for all of our big um, sort of Disney book shows, we double cast. So there's always- For
0: multiple roles? For,
1: for no. So let's say um, there, there you will always have a counterpart. There are two full casts that alternate performances. Oh, so they okay. rehearse together and it's quite, that's why we can have 85 kids because it's divided. So there's one cast and then there's another
0: cast. Let me stop you there. How do you rehearse two casts together?
1: I think very, I'm, very I'm, well. I'm, I'm, try, <laughs> I'm trying
0: to envision this in my head. Well. I mean, the traffic control, <clears throat> excuse me, the traffic control alone must be difficult.
1: Yes, that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing. So what we do it we, we, so we teach all the music and all the choreography with one big group. And then once they have those things, then we start dividing. But we will do, let's say, you and I have a scene together, and then our counterparts have a scene together. You and I would get up and do it. Then our counterparts would get up and do it. And I always tell the kids, watching your counterpart is the best directing practice you can have as an actor. Because you're watching and you might say, oh, that's funny. I want to do that. Or, oh, I don't agree with their choice. I'm going to do something different. So you learn a lot by watching. And I have, I was an understudy a couple of times for a show and I thought I learned so much by watching my, um, you know, the person that I was understudying. So it's great. It's great because we always, we, oh, you know, we have been lucky. We've always had an out. If somebody has gotten sick, we have their counterpart goes in. So we've been lucky. We've been very lucky. <laughs> so if they both have got, if they both had gotten sick, that would have been
0: then you're scary. In big then
1: we're in big trouble. Yeah.
0: And then after you have gone to all the performances, you as the director, as you say, the cast party. I don't think you were kidding when you said this. The cast party is very important. It's so important. It's not just a good time.
1: No, it's not. If the kids um, have, need that closure, they get so close that they're they're weeping at that cast party. They're they're replaying all the songs. They're they're redoing all the choreography. Even in our three week summer programs, it's incredible. I mean, I I wait for it, and my and my follow up. The next day, once the cast party's over, we've cleaned up the glitter and the, you know, the, the frosting on the chairs, is I sent, I sent an email titled um, post-show blues. I try to vary it because a lot of our families have gotten that a lot. But in it, I say the post-show blues is a real thing because you have energetically been with all these people and now it's Monday and the show's over, mm-hmm. it's over. So they need that closure of the cast party. And then I like to reinforce it's normal if your child is a little weepy and a little blue because it is, I still feel that way when a show ends. Some more than others, certainly as a performer. But yeah, and, and when there's, I mean, I would never hear of not having a cast party right after the final performance, not the next day. It's gotta be right after mm-hmm. you hang up your costume and off you go. It's it's one of the practices that I have to have. And it's so important. And in 2020, Charlie, I don't know if you remember this, I was committed to doing a show no matter what. And we did 13 The Musical outside. We did it mm-hmm. at the oldest house. And um, I thought these kids, uh, they, they have to have something. And, you know, we did the measuring. I mean, it wasn't accurate. We did our best. But even that, I baked cupcakes, I bought lemonade, and we had a mini cast party on the picnic table outside so that they could talk about the show and, you know, what they had all been through together. So, yeah, cast party's huge.
0: Now, a moment ago, you mentioned the three weeks. Is that the time period of performances or? It's the whole thing. From audition to cast party.
1: Yes, okay. that's the summer. So in the summer, the kids show up on a Monday. Um, well, no. They have they show up on a Saturday and they audition. And then we cast it, and then on Sunday we make all of our final edits. On Sunday night we send out this is the cast list. They come to us on Monday and we hit the ground running. We do a first read through and a sing through. Well they will they listen to the music. And we work from nine to two. And by the end of that week, it's a long uh, long day. It's a long day. We couldn't do it any other way.
0: uh, Attention spans.
1: Well, that's why you have to keep it moving, (laughs) keep it moving. And so then we, um, and then by the end of that week, we have blocked the show, meaning that the kids know all of their stage business Friday. Sometimes it, it, you know, it overlaps. We end up heading into Monday, but I try to get it all done. And then we have two weeks to make it, well, no, we have a week and a half to really make it beautiful. We bring in our costumers. We have professional set designer and, and costumer and lighting designer. And then they perform the show on Thursday and we do six shows. So it's a it's a, it, it's a full performance.
0: It's a very compressed schedule. It Obviously, is. it works. It does. But I'm thinking on the one hand, herding cats, as they say. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, when they're that young, they pick everything up so fast, no matter what it is. Whether it's theater or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, their minds are just, they're sponges. They, they absorb everything yes. fast. Yeah,
1: they do. And we have a lot of kids that return to us, many. And they're, So they've already kind of established this template. So when new kids come in, they, they, they see the practice of those that have been working with us and they know you, you've got it. This is what you have to do in the winter. It's a little longer because we, we don't have as long a time um, after, you know, because kids are in school, school and we work three to six. So that's five weeks, which is still a pretty, pretty good clip. Right now, we're doing Madeline's Christmas, and I, I keep thinking, I wished we had started a week later because the kids are so good. and But I, I, I did it a little earlier because of the Thanksgiving break and things like that. But you'd be surprised at how much you can accomplish in a short amount of time. And I always say, whatever amount of time you give kids, they will be able to do it. And I, I haven't been proven wrong yet. So... <laughs>
0: Two things before we go. If people want to find out more about Dreamland Stage Company, how do they do that?
1: So follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Dreamland Stage Company. And then we have our own little page from the uh, main website. So yeah. if you push in um, dreamlandstagecompany, uh, .org, we have you'll come up to our landing page and it will list everything we have coming up. It'll list our educational programs, how to get tickets, so it's you can find everything there. And Instagram is fun to follow us on because I make a lot of announcements on there. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have the actors do Instagram takeovers. So yeah, lots of ways to follow us.
0: And one last thing, we're taping this in November. It'll be shown for the first time in January. Yes. Uh, what do we have to look forward to in 2024?
1: Well, I'm not at liberty to reveal our oh, season. Wow. But believe me, I wish I could. We do
0: have Beauty I wish I'd base. known not to ask I, No, I'm glad you asked. I'm actually I'm
1: thrilled you asked. So, uh, because by the time this shows, everyone will know what it is. So then I can oh, okay. say it.
0: Well, then you can, actually, yeah. Because this will premiere, all profile shows premiere on the first Saturday of the month. Oh, yes. And December's is already booked. Shall yes. All right. So this will be January.
1: All right. So I will announce that. But,
0: but I can't say anything.
1: You can't say no. anything. No. And
0: you can't either. There in the right. control room. Right.
1: Frank. Yes. So all right. So our our season for 2024 has already been announced, except for one show that we're mm-hmm. waiting to hear. But our summer season, we are doing Mean Girls, which the kids are bananas about, and we are doing Newsies this summer. Mm -hmm. And then we are, there are a couple of shows that even is, even though it's January, I cannot reveal because we're waiting for the rights to become available for two of our other shows, Mm -hmm. but they're both wonderful. And registration at this point is already opened. So if there's still availability, um, people are welcome to register for our summer programs.
0: I will keep my trap shut until the first week in January. <laughs> you,
1: you <laughs> this, have to. But this
0: sounds very exciting.
1: Yes, it is exciting. <laughs> mean Girls, all—I mean, the girls are so excited, and, and the guys. It's—it's it's just one of those shows that they're just all so, you know, crazy about. It's fun. The music is fun. You know, it's very contemporary. So we're excited that we we were able to get the rights for that show.
0: Laura Gallagher Byrne. Thank you very much for doing this. Oh, my Uh, gosh, the
1: pleasure is all mine, Charlie. No, it
0: wasn't, it was equally mine.
1: Well, thank you, (laughs) thank you.
0: For Profiles on Nantucket Community Television, this is Charlie Walters. Thanks for tuning in, please join me again.